If you took a look at the bulletin, you may have noticed that the title for this morning's message is listed as, Did God Really Say Part Two? That's exactly what I asked Miss Brenda to put in there. This is not her fault. Last week, I was in Talladega, not for the race, Shaco Springs, 136 first through fifth graders and adults. Before camp, I spent time preparing, did God really say part two? On, I think, February 26, I preached a message called, did God really say? I didn't call it part one then because I, I didn't know. But I was going to add maybe 10 more, give you a chance to take the test. I suspected most, if not all of you, would rather I preach the message that I felt like God was switching me to for today. So I liked, did God really say? You'll probably give it another time. If it's the reason you came today and you feel like you can't live without it, you could take me to lunch. <laughs> we could walk through it together. I could give you that. Then I'd know how you did. But only if you really, that's what, I don't, okay. Today, instead, I want to give you a look, a listen into the theme of Kids Camp 2023. It's going to Kids Camp without the smell. <laughs> you don't understand what that means, but I do. Our theme was shine, shine. We played that Newsboy song every time they came in. Make them wonder what you got. Make them wish that they were not on the outside looking bored. I throw that in because I don't want you to be looking bored today. I want you to be shining as you sit there. Most of the verses we looked at were from Romans. But our key verse was found in John chapter 1, verse 5. So this morning, I know I haven't given you a lot of warning, but it's easy to find. If you'll turn with me to John New Testament, chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 5. So when you, when you get there, go ahead and stand with me. This is the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, yet the darkness did not overcome. Before you sit down, just verse 5 again. That light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not, could not overcome it. You can be seated. I remember memorizing this passage when I was young. We had a preacher that came through. You know, back in the day, they'd come through, stay a week. They'd come to your house and eat. Yeah, old people, yeah. So this guy had come through and we were staff, so that meant he came to our house. My mom fried chicken. That's what you did. 
And this guy had memorized the entire book of John. All of it. So it's a, I don't know, eight, nine-year-old boy. I decided I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to memorize the book of John. I got started. You know when you're playing like a piano piece and you get messed up, you go back to the beginning. Well, I've got verse 1 through 5. I mean, it's, it's there, locked in. I've got 316. Other than that, I didn't get real far. I hate that I didn't, but verse 1 through 5 is kind of an origins story. I was born in the year of our Lord, 1961. I know, it's hard to believe that I could be that old, but I am. In 1959, a movie came out. It was before my time. It was just fun to say. The name of the movie was Ben-Hur. I thought somebody would go, oh, yeah. It's 2023, so I think I need to say this for some of the youngins in the room. This is not a transgender movie. It's Ben-Hur. Her is his last name. Definitely a man. I didn't go over this part at camp. It's just, just for you. In the movie, Ben, her, Ben, played by Charlton Heston. It's before the Planet of the Apes movies. They were awesome. Ben has been imprisoned by the Romans. He's being taken to a ship where he is going to be forced to row. He's about to get on the ship, and you can just look at him and tell. The acting, phenomenal. He looks tired. and He looks like he just came back from camp is what he looks like. So you can get that look. And he wanted some water. And there's this tough looking Roman guard. He kind of looks like he's from Georgia, but he's a, a Roman guard and he refused to give him any water. He said out loud, don't give him any water. In his best Georgia Roman voice, don't give him any water. Being drops to the ground. You, you understand. Drops to the ground from exhaustion from dehydration, and he cries out in a stage whisper, God, help me. Well, then here comes this other fellow. We don't see his face. His name is Claude, Peter. He's playing the role of Jesus. We don't really know that at this point. You never see his face, but He's got that cool Jesus wig going on. And he reaches down with some water and begins to rub Charles' face and begins to give him a drink. And Charles was real thirsty. He just keeps on drinking. Long enough for the Roman soldier to realize and say, hey, I told y'all, don't give him any water. And then he comes marching up like he's going to go all Roman soldier on what we know to be Jesus. And he gets there and he stops. And there's this 
intent. I mean, you don't all you see the back of his head, but I'm assuming this intent look at the Roman soldier who just kind of turns and walks away. Now, they never say Jesus. And it's, it's kind of like that in John 1. It, John doesn't say his name, doesn't show his face. You don't even get the wig. He's just explaining origins. In verse 17, we know for sure he's talking about Jesus. Luke, I'm not going to say he does a better job, but Luke gives us details. I, I memorized the Christmas story much better than the book of John. And at camp for Tuesday's quiet time, we looked at Luke 2, 1 through 14. The first two words, remember it was last week, June, hottest blue blazes. And the first two words on the quiet time, Merry Christmas. We had kids say a Merry Christmas. I'd ride, I had to drive by my truck, little group studying the Bible. I'd ride by, Merry Christmas. The adults gave me that look like, but it was right there. Luke points out that the angel stood before the shepherds who had been in the field abiding their flock by night when boom, probably should have gone deeper. My voice is killing me. Boom, the light from the glory of the Lord shone about them. It was night, dark, and the angel, boom, and the light. And then the angel says, don't be afraid. I'm pretty sure one of the guys who's kind of like me, on the ground, fetal position, said, too late. I'm just guessing because that would have been me. The glory of the Lord shone round about. There's our word. Our word is shine, but you get shown, right? We don't say it, but the glory of the Lord shone about them. The light was shining. John doesn't give us that kind of detail. John jumps straight to the deity of Christ. When you're reading, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Jesus, God. Same, right? You got it? Yeah? yeah Y'all got to work with me. Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created. Genesis 1-26, let us create. Man, that us. Jesus is, is in that group. And John is just reminding them of Genesis 1.26. He's with God. He was God. John wants us to remember that Jesus is the eternal word. Always been, always will be. He is the creator of everything. It is Jesus that reveals life and light. The light of God in this dark world. Jesus, we see this in verse 5, the only source of true light in a spiritually dark world. Verse 5 again, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not overcome it. That word, that original word is pretty cool. It's, it's translated overcome or sometimes comprehend to 
similar but different words. It's like our English word grasp. You all know that word? Like I could grasp my water bottle or I could grasp that there's water in that bottle. One's physical, one's mental. Are you you're still with me? I'm going to make sure all day. It can have two meanings. It can mean to comprehend or to grasp something mentally, to understand it. When I preach or teach, I always fear that I'm not on the same page. I don't know why God gave me this brain. I would have probably picked another one because it doesn't always work like everybody else's. So I have to look and make sure that we're, that we're together. You know, you want to make sure that I'll ask, okay, are, are you with me? You know, are you, are you smelling what I'm selling? You know, it's that, that kind of moment. I don't want to be up here dressed up for nothing. Overcome can mean to comprehend or to grasp mentally, or it can mean to overcome or to take hold of something in the sense of mastering it physically. If overcome is referring to creation, then John's meaning is when God said, let there be light, the light literally overcame the darkness. If you turn on a light in a dark room, darkness loses. Now the light doesn't go around for a high five or it's just because it's light and it knows you turn me on and darkness loses. Every time, never a question. John uses the present tense of the word here, which he's probably focusing more on Jesus coming to earth and the conflict that's going to be between him and the powers of darkness. John's going to go out and show that all through the rest of his gospel. They crucified Jesus, but he arose and he conquered the darkness. That's cool. When Jesus comes back to life, when he arises from the dead, he conquers spiritual darkness in every heart that will just trust in him. The word can also be translated comprehend. And I think this meaning fits best in this gospel. In John 1.10, the second part, John tells us that those in the world that he, Jesus, created, they didn't recognize him. They would see him. They'd be with him. They would think, maybe. They just didn't get it. It goes on to say a couple of verses down that those in the darkness love the darkness. And they don't want the light because their evil deeds are shown. So they didn't comprehend Jesus. Maybe, I think, John means both. To comprehend and to overcome. Because Jesus defeated the light mentally and physically. Because Jesus is an A-light, Jesus is light. And he says that right there in his word. So this was a preview. I didn't do that part at camp. But I wanted us to be on the same page so that when we got to Monday night, you would say, oh, I, I see what he's doing. 
So I probably at this point should tell you that on Monday night, I went through a gospel presentation. We use it at block parties a lot. It was written by a guy named Larry Moyer, four points, four scriptures, four illustrations. And I did it because A, we had children there who weren't saved. I wanted them to hear a presentation of the gospel. And B, we had children there whose parents, brothers, sisters, aunt, cousins weren't saved. We wanted to give them something they could take home and use. I'm going to spare you today. Thank you would have been the appropriate response. A snack would have been nice, but here we go. It's now Tuesday night. The title for the message is Light the Night. Catchy, huh? Just typing away. Light, yeah, light the night. Our theme was shine. So it, it fits. In order to shine, you must either reflect the light or be the light. And if we go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, this is Jesus speaking. We already saw that he was the life, the light. And it says in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. He tells us that a, a town built on a hill can't be hidden. Then he says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they light a lamp and they put it on a stand. So it gives light to everyone in the house. And in verse 16, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they can see your good deeds and therefore glorify the Father in heaven. John 5, 14 through 16 Jesus tells his followers, we are light. You are light. And I'm not talking like light versus heavy. Some of you are getting happy. Light, the light that overcomes the darkness. You don't have to wonder, well, things get dark. You're light. Light always wins. That was free. We know what light does. Light illuminates darkness. It allows us to see I've never really heard anybody say, you know what, I, I'm scared of the light. You know what they say? I'm scared of the dark. Get your phone out so we can see. We should want to shine. We should want to shine because we're light, and that's what light does. Light shines. I took the word light, L-I-G-H-T, and Put a little phrase with each letter. Yep, first through fifth grade. Bottom shelf, right? I know this is probably way below you, but I really felt like I should throw it out there anyway. The L can stand for live for God. L, live for God. To live for God, you've got to first become a Christian. You can't live for God and not be a Christian. Because darkness can't shine. Darkness doesn't shine. It's just dark. Might be glossy black or matte black, but it's still dark. Darkness is the absence of light. The world, mostly without Christ, is dark. You cannot live for Christ in the dark because you are light. You are different than the world. 
you must be different than the world. Jesus says lights must shine. We are the light of the world. We are a city on a hill that has lights and people are A, drawn to the light and people notice the light. People want to be in the light. Think about your house. How many floor lights do you have? When the contractor was there, did you say, hey, let's, let's put some lights down here? No. You put the lights in the ceiling or on a stand or on a table because we get them up there so we can see. You don't hide light, especially if you live in the dark. A part of becoming a Christian is this. You make God boss, Lord. It means he's your boss. He is in charge. You're not in charge. We like to think we're in charge. Man, I picked out my clothes today. I must be in charge. No. God is in charge. He is your boss. And he must be your boss if you're going to be a believer. If you're going to light tonight, you have to live for God. So the L, not loser, the L, live for God. The I, invest in others. I know first through fifth grade, they don't understand invest. They don't have a Roth or any other. They, but we explained it as this. It's, it's ministry. If we spelled it L-M-G-H, it would have worked. But invest in others, it means ministry. If you're going to shine, you've got to invest in others. You have to do ministry. It's not just a job for preachers and deacons. I said this right at camp. It's for shiny kids and their parents. It's for you. If you're here, you should be in ministry. I grew up in a ministry family. When I was young, I went to the Bellevue Baptist Church in Pensacola, Florida, right off Softly Field. Now, I will let you know that there was no view of a bell. I don't know why they called it Bellevue. And we didn't spell it weird like those Memphis people. It was B-E-L-L-View. But it was a small Baptist church. We had RAs and GAs. Royal ambassadors, girls in action. The RAs didn't do a lot of ministry stuff. They basically just kind of tried to corral us on Wednesday, made us learn stuff. It's a royal ambassador, I'll do my best. I mean, we had to, those things. Once a year, we'd go to somebody's house and rake leaves, and drink lemonade, and go back home. And we did a camp out, but wasn't a lot, not bitter. But we just didn't do much. Our GAs, on the other hand, they did stuff. You know, probably female versus male, whatever. But at one point, they decided to go to a nursing home and help. I didn't know what that meant. But they came in on Wednesday night and said, tomorrow, the GAs are going to the nursing home. We would love for you to go with us. So you're probably thinking every boy in there raised their hand. Just one. Just me. I'll be real honest and tell you that the reason I went didn't have anything to do with nursing home. There was this cute little girl. 
And I knew she was going. I thought, you know, might be nice. Hang out with Charlsie. So I, I went, and we would fill water pitchers. We would read, deliver food. You know, we were there for an hour and a half or so, and then they left. And, we, and for about two weeks or about a month, we went three or four times. And then they quit, except for me. It was only a mile and a half, two miles from my house. I'd get on my bike every Thursday. I'd drive down after school and do whatever needed to be done, and I'd drive back home. Didn't think a thing about it. It was something to do. Man, it's you know, like 1968. What, what, what are you going to do? Well, on the weekend, my dad had a preacher friend at the house. His name was Travis. Who names a kid Travis? I, I don't know. But Travis was there. And my dad just kind of out of the blue says, hey, tell Travis about your ministry. I'm looking at him like, I don't know what you're talking about. Then he says this, the nursing home. And my brain is different. I, I might have been dropped. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but it clicked. Oh, going to the nursing home is ministry. So I'm telling you today, there's something that you can do that would be ministry. I, I didn't know, but it happened. And from that day through today, I've kind of always been involved in... Now, I admit, I, I probably take the... I, I get paid now to do it, to be honest with you. But I still, I still do ministry, whether it's my job or not. And I'm looking at you, looking at me and saying, you got to invest in others. It's ministry. And it kind of makes me want to tell you that that's how we shine. You shine when you're doing ministry. As followers of Christ, we should be investing in others. You know, like at kids camp or whatever it is that you're doing. Because you're doing something, right? We got some things going on. We got a mug your neighbor going on. You take a mug to somebody you've been having a conversation with. If you write down their name and get it to us, we'll send somebody else to tell them about Jesus. We, we go visiting every Tuesday night. You could just show up. And you can say for a couple of weeks at least, I don't want to say anything, but I'll go. And then you can see it's easy. We got a music camp coming up. Brett would love for you to say, hey, how can I help you? We we never hear that. It's like finding gold. It's maybe once in a while you hear somebody somewhere. But with Love Life Ministries, they're begging for volunteers. Yesterday we had a group of ladies that went and put makeup on other ladies. Posted it right there on the old Facebook. I saw it and I thought, that? That's ministry. That's investing in others. I'm not sure about this last one, but pretty sure that there's still a brush pile out there in the parking lot. Been there since the last work day. That would be. What I'm saying to you is invest in others. Find a way to shine. L, live for God. I invest in others. G, now remember, my target audience was first through fifth grade. So when it came to G, I thought, oh, simple. Grow like Jesus. Some of you are thinking, <laughs> I'm full grown. I can take a nap for this next part because I'm 
growing. Not going to get any bigger. I'm, I'm dumb before you do. The Bible says that Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and men. So you're still growing. It's weird for me to go to camp. For one thing, I'm, I'm pretty old. I know you had noticed, but I'm up there, and we sing goofy songs. And most of the goofy songs have motions. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Baptist history, we don't dance. We're not going to have an argument, but I'm just going to tell you traditionally, because you don't dance. So we change the word dance to motions. And if we're doing motions, it's okay. So most of our songs have motions. One of them says dance break. We got to change that to motion break. We did it so we could dance without dancing. And in one of these songs, we squat to the ground. Squat. I'm 61. My squat game is not on par. I'm struggling to walk without limping. And I got a squat. And I picked the song. Right there, I'm thinking, you should have picked a different song because you're not going to be able to squat. Well, while I'm trying to squat and sing and breathe, because it's gotten harder, too, so I've gotten older. Melissa Owens, she's a church member from our church, sitting on the back row because she's Baptist. She comes running, not walking, running to the front of the stage where I'm kind of in mid-squat, saying, foot, don't go out. And she's got her phone out, and she's... <laughs> so she can show everybody that my squat game is subpar. It was wrong. I just remember thinking, oh, it stinks to get old. But at camp, this was camp number 33. Year 30, for 33 years. One week of the summer. Not just camp, but kids camp. I've got other camps on top of that. Old, I get it. But for 33 years, and so we announced the beginning of camp, two more. I got two more camps, and then I'm not retiring. Don't be spreading that rumor. First service, try to spread it. Camp, two more camps, 35, I'm done. Now, you probably should know that at camp, I stand on one side of the stage, and my daughter, Megan, stands on the other. So I get to stand on stage and sing goofy songs and minister, invest in others with my child. And I'm going to tell you, I don't think there's anything better than that. So if you got one, y'all should be doing something together. Teach them how to invest. But 33 years, this year, Pelham had... We'll go 60-ish. You can't count them. They're always moving around. 60-ish children and adults. First Baptist Antioch, Megan's church. She's her children's minister. She had uh, 35-ish. And then First Baptist Church, Milan, Tennessee. They had 35-ish. I don't know what that. 136 total. I don't know the numbers. But we had those. And Milan is the church that I served, I don't know, 28 years ago, something like that. So some of those children were the children of 
former campers. Their parents came to camp, to kids camp. It was a much younger version of me, but they were there. And when I look at them, it's that brain thing. I think I'm looking at somebody, but it's their child. And my brain's trying to tell me, it's just weird. I'm not, I'm not made out for that very good. So camp can be weird. But those kids, 28 years ago, you know what they did? They grew. Hopefully they grew like Jesus. But they grew and they got married and they had children. And it keeps going. Parents of kids who were there, moms and dads, hopefully we all grow. Jesus grew physically. He still had to survive. I don't know what his daily life was like, but school, if there's school, there's probably bullies. I don't, can't think about it because my mind, think about what he might have done. Probably not true. He went to temple, which is church. He probably had aunts and uncles he hadn't seen in a while that come up and grab that cheek and say, what you been doing? You're so big. Because he was, he's us. But the Bible says he grew physically. He grew in favor with God. He's learning things about the father, his father. And with man, he matured. So now we're back to you. It's not just a first through fifth grade. Are you maturing in your faith? Are you growing in your faith? Part of shining is maturing like Jesus did. Writer of Hebrews, he, he's tough. He says this, you've been doing this so long, you should be teaching it. Instead, you're acting like babies. Grow up. I paraphrased it, but that's what he meant to say. Grow up like Jesus so you can light the night. The L is live for God. The I is invest in others. The G is grow like Jesus. The H, this is the point where I'm trying to bring this to children and the Holy Spirit says, hey, this is, this is Sunday. We're not going to do, did God really say, part two, which was excellent, by the way. We're going to do this. And you're going to look at your family and you're going to say, the H stands for hate sin. To overcome the dark, you must be light. And I think sometimes Christians, they just don't get how much God actually hates sin. He hates it. The good thing for us is as much as he hates sin, he loves us more. But he hates sin. God is light. Sin is darkness. God hates the darkness. He overcomes the darkness with light. A lot of times we understand that God hates other people's sins. So we'll look over there and say, yeah, well, God's not happy with them. God's not happy with them. But we need to be saying, my sin, God, let's just do this. Could you just say with your mouth, believe in your heart, God hates my sin? Just repeat that, one, two, three. Yeah, then repent of it. When you realize that God hates your sin, the next thing is to ask him, for forgiveness, because you just can't go on sinning and sinning and sinning and still be light. 
you got to do something about the things that you hate. I made a terrible mistake at camp. I made a set a statement out loud that I never should have said. I said, I hate cats. They booed me. 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 They booed me. I'm the favorite, but they booed me. It hurt me. It hurt my soul. But apparently 135 out of 136 people in that room love cats. I like kittens. They're cute. But I don't like cats. And I don't like cats in my yard. So I try to keep them out. I might have something called a wrist rocket slingshot. I might have some little clay balls, and I might shoot in the general direction of those cats just to say, please get out of my yard, friend. And as a result, we mostly have a cat-free zone. They'll walk down the street, see my house, cross the street, come back over. It's a great relationship. They, they know. Well, I was pretty happy, but Sam Williams... Sam and Ryan, they're church members too. I'm telling everybody, tell the truth. Our yards touch. They live there. And when they were moving in, they were doing renovation. And a cat, that cat, the one, I've watched that cat a few times, being up on the deck with a nice lukewarm water, just goat cat. He goes to their house, and they love cats. They started feeding. They put a cat door in their house. What a waste of money. <laughs> He'll go and get a chipmunk, call, crawl right in there and leave it right there on the counter. One time, it wasn't even dead. Just put it in the house. And I think, why would you do that to yourself? Get a slingshot. Just say, get out of my yard. So we, we've got this going on. I'm telling the story about when you hate something, you got to get rid of it. Push it away. And Sam comes up and she's giggly. She says, have you looked at your ring? camera today? Why? I'm at camp. I don't care what's going on there. Patty's there. No. And then she says this. Reno, the cat, is sleeping on your front porch. <laughs> it's because I'm not there. Because we've got an understanding. But here's, here's the thing. The reason we have to hate sin is because if we don't hate sin and we don't do something to keep it away from us, it's going to come right to our house and lay right down on our front porch and say, what you going to do now? And if we're not careful, the next thing we know, we're sitting down there. And, oh, his skin is soft. Oh, he's a pretty cat. Yeah, I can't imagine ever saying that. But you get the point. We have to hate Sin. God hates sin. He sent his son to die for our sin so we could be forgiven. He loves sinners, hates sin, brings us to the T. Tell everyone about God. Tell everyone about You know, a guy once told me, we were having a conversation about sharing your faith. He goes, well, you know, I don't, I don't share my faith. <laughs> I started to say, yeah, I can smell that you don't. Share your faith. You don't have that Jesus aroma. I said, well, why don't you share your faith? Well, 
because I might share my faith with someone who's already a believer and it might, they might think I'm saying, you don't look like a believer. I said, that's just ridiculous. Share anyway. If he's a believer, he's going to say, thank you. Thank you for caring. We need to tell everyone about God. Everyone, everywhere we go, our conversation should work around to God. We are light. We're not dark. We're different from those who are in the world. And so we should spend our time explaining why and how we're different. We should tell everyone about God. We must light the night and overcome dark. Now, you got the L-I-G-H. Yes, maybe you're taking notes. Oh, it's on video. It doesn't matter. But because you're human, here's why we have problems. It, it's the human part. Because we're human, we want to be in charge. We start when we're little bitty wanting to be in charge. I'll do it by myself. I don't need, I want to, I'm in charge. I want to be in charge. It's hard for us to accept Christ and say, okay, you're in charge. I'm going to listen to you. You are the boss. That's, that's why it's hard to live for God. And because we're human, we're naturally selfish. Look at a little baby. Hey, can I see your kitten? No, don't touch my kitten. I'm thinking you should have a cat anyway. But we're selfish people. Because we're selfish, it's hard for us to invest in others. Why should I give up Saturday? It's my only day off. I'd rather sit in a chair with my feet propped up watching cats than to go and share the gospel with somebody else. We don't compare ourselves to Jesus so we don't grow up. We think, well, I'll just grow up. It'll be all right. We compare ourselves to other people. And as long as I'm better than them, I'm okay. Because we're human and sinning is so natural, we try to forget how much God hates sin. All of these things make it difficult to tell the world about God. Before all this can happen, we have to be broken because in our natural state, we're not. We're not going to do it. God has to, to break us. And then he, he shakes us up. And then we begin to illuminate like a glow stick. We're going to jump a little. You'll be all right. We'll come back. But it's now Wednesday night. The message is over. And it's campfire. I, I love campfire. Campfire is one of my favorite parts of camp. And on Monday night... I let Pastor Bill from Antioch 